and that bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're just doing the dishes, work around the house, maybe you're on a walk with your favorite pet, whatever it is. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Native and ExpressVPN. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games, and there are many forums, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend... Slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's washing his hands, washing his thumbs, and not touching his face, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, everybody. Uh, you are safe in your safe houses. There was a rumor there that as Jeff's nemesis, um, you would not be safe in safe rooms. You are safe in safe rooms, but you still need to be wary of the nemesis because uh, I will mess up your Resident Evil 3 game in a big, big way. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, the nemesis. Uh, we're just riding out this apocalypse, man. You know what? We're just riding it out. There are great games to play this month, so don't go out if you don't need to. Wash your hands. There are great games coming out this month. Yeah, yeah. Don't share controllers, I guess, is there? Yeah. But yes, lots of great games to stay indoors and play as the weather gets warmer. And hey, we have a lot to talk about this week as far as talking about those games uh, on the horizon. We got news to talk about, I promise. It's not going to be all COVID-19 news, although we'll probably touch on that a little bit too. Uh, but we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Depress for Lots of Control. Because from Action Button Entertainment, games journalist, games producer, game maker, Mr. Tim Rogers joins us for the first time. Hey, Tim. Hello, and welcome back to my show. <laughs> oh, no. That's my intro, if uh, if I were doing my own podcast. How am I That's doing? Good. Is that good? That's great. Does that sound I, good? I'm, I thought for a second maybe you took over the show, and it was your show now. Hello. That's how I would do it. <laughs> it's if briefer were, than mine. It's a lot briefer. To, yeah. Just the word, hello, let's get talking. That's good. That's a little, that's I think that's bad, a little right? more economical than what I do. Uh, to start things off, but I I like it. I like it. Uh, and in the in the spirit of economy, let's uh, let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Lots of cool folks hanging out there, sharing stories, talking about the show. We encourage you to visit as well. But Tim, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Oh. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, my story of the week, as uh, I'm looking at a, just basically, I'm, I'm, I'm lording over a particular Google documents that, I, that I've, I've kept here. That tells me what all the hot video game news of the week is. And uh, I'm torn between a couple of things. Uh, okay. However, as a person who spent this whole week uh, 
I, I, I quit my job about a month ago. I don't know if anybody knows what my job was or, or why I quit it. I, I quit it for, I think, a good reason, a fun reason, an exciting reason. And uh, quitting your job means watching some television, apparently, in, in, in the world, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you yeah. quit your job and you think, I mean, I quit my job with like a plan of things I was going to do. And it turns out that I'm working about as much as I was before, except I'm not riding the subway. I'm earning, I've, I've earned back, like I live in New York City. I've, I've earned back several hours. My subway ride was 22 minutes or 96 minutes, depending on the train. The trains are very unreliable over here. So I, I've gotten several hours of my day back and I've been watching television. And a lot of that is this week I watched the HBO series, The Outsider, based on the so book good. by Stephen King. We're, uh, we actually have two episodes left. So okay. we're gonna, we're gonna, we maybe might watch those tonight. Tonight is the last episode of the season, so I'm so excited. I mean, literally, when we finish recording here, my wife and I are going to rush over and watch the last episode because we've been hanging on each episode, and I hope it doesn't have a classic Stephen King non-ending. Oh, I, uh, I, I sort of hope it doesn't, and I sort of hope it does. If you know what I mean, right. I mean I've yeah. read a whole lot of that dude's books. So, as someone who spent a lot of time watching an HBO thing and watching a couple other HBO things, I watched Watchmen recently. Uh, I think it's a, we had this golden age of television in the early 2000s, and we're having this golden age of miniseries right now. Yeah. For example, yeah. have you seen this one about the Russian uh, nuclear reactor, Chernobyl? Have you seen that? Um, I have not brought myself to see it. I, I keep, everyone tells me it's a must watch, but it's I, very good. I find I, everyone also says it will destroy you and yes. make you depressed for a long I, period of time, and I don't need that. I know it's the world, got my, the world does my, that. It's got my main man, Jared Harris, in it. You know that guy? Yeah. Jared Harris, a fantastic dude. Jer Hare, as I call him. But, you nice. Know, we're, we're good friends, so I, I just call him that. He's not my friend. I'm not. Let me make him that up. Um, I think there's just a lot of good miniseries around, and it was recently announced this week that there would be uh, the Last of Us series. Yeah. On Over HBO. There on, the, on the self-same HBO, uh, helmed by Chernobyl's. Craig Mazin? Mazin? I don't know. I think it's Craig Mazin is what how I would pronounce it because it sounds, sounds to me. That's a it's a Craig Mazin name, right? But the that's even fine. more I think even more exciting for those of us who are fans of the game, it's going to be executive produced and written by Neil Druckmann, the yeah. creator of the series at Naughty Dog and writer of the series. So Yeah, that that gives me uh I mean, first of all, I uh, I'm just predisposed for whatever reason to have tremendous hope for a, a The Last of Us HBO series. I remember when The Last of Us came out, I I literally described it to someone as an HBO series video game. Right. Yeah. I, I was literally like, it's it's a, it's a video game. It's uh, look, well, what's it about? I hear it's like a stealth game. And it's like, oh well, it's got some stealth in it, but it's a uh, it's kind of popcorn stealth. It's kind of it's it's video gamey stuff. It's good. Uh, it's got a real good story. Isn't it just like a zombie apocalypse story? I was like, no, it's like it's like an HBO zombie apocalypse. <laughs> story. That's how I described it to my friend. And uh, now, seven some years later, I, I feel extremely bizarrely vindicated to see that it's made. <laughs> you call your friend and you're like, I told you. It's it's literally HBO now. It was never TV, and now it's always HBO. Whatever yeah, that, that makes me want to tell a, a quick anecdote uh, that's only tangentially related. But uh, um, big time Hollywood director Dan Trachtenberg and I used to do a, a show together for many years and are good, very good friends. And I was reading the Game of Thrones 
well, the Song of Ice and Fire uh, books at the time. And I was like, oh man, I just read that HBO is going to make this into a series. And Dan Trachtenberg, who's now big time Hollywood director and uh, helms big time Hollywood movies and big time Hollywood TV shows, uh, turned to me and he said, it's never going to happen. And so, and when you say vindicated, that's kind of how I feel every day when it not only happened, but became the biggest show in the world. And so I never let him forget that. And I'm sort of hoping he's listening right now so that he (laughs) understands how much joy that brought me every day that that show just crushed. Maybe he was right, though. A Song of Fire and Ice never became a show. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, back to the topic at hand. Uh, I totally agree with you, Tim, that there's something just in the name HBO being attached to this that gives me hope. Literally any other network, even if it was Netflix or Amazon Prime, even though they have a really high bar of quality, I feel like HBO is is the tippity top. And, you know, what they did with Watchmen, what they did with Game of Thrones, what they've done with these genre shows, I feel like that's in good hands. Yeah, I feel like any other network or, for example, any any given Hollywood movie studio saying they're going to be doing an adaptation of any given video game, you would have a reason to be skeptical. You'd imagine some some big wig dude at a big boardroom table being like, so just give me the bullet points. What's the elevator pitch of this series? And you just imagine they would extract this 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 tiny little skeleton of the thing well it's just a zombie apocalypse yeah sure we can do a zombie we'll do an hbo zombie apocalypse show though seeing that you've got neil Druckmann involved and neil Druckmann being a guy who's been involved with writing certainly and also just specifically for video games there is a certain element of game designedly uh, like minimalism to the plot of the last of us it's so finely perfectly machined it would be weird for some focus test group of hardcore producers to boil it down into its parts and build some sort of tangential world buildy series that can go on forever and ever. Because The Last of Us was really about this small story. And I think it's the fact that they're getting Neil Druckmann in there and that it's HBO and it's not it's not going to be like a CBS. I, I, I feel hopeful that it's just going to be a miniseries. I feel hopeful that we're going to start completely embracing the idea of short series of TV. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, if you look at Netflix, they're putting up a new Netflix show every, I think it's, I think it's the statistic is like every three minutes. That's a new Netflix show. Yeah. There's a new like Netflix series. That's like 10 episodes. And And my friends and my friends are always like, you have to watch all of it. Every every three minutes I get a text every three minutes. This one is the best one so far. You have to watch all of it. Yeah, I, I spend so much of my time uh, making videos about video games for YouTube, and there's lots of people doing that. Nobody's watching all the Netflix shows and doing reviews of them. I feel like there's a market there. There's more <laughs> Netflix shows than than video games. How much how much money is going into that? I'm sure I could Google that and find out. A lot. I, I mean, I'm sure it's just there's just they're constantly making these series, and there's this uh, this trope that goes around in, in discussions about Netflix series where people become fans of a Netflix show. First of all. Congratulations for choosing one to watch, much less <laughs> choosing one to watch every available episode of. Though, and uh, becoming a fan, you know, that's it's wonderful. But there's there's all these fans on Twitter, and I see this discussion so often where they're just incredibly disappointed that Netflix has canceled the show after two seasons. And it happens; it seems to happen a lot that Netflix will do two seasons of something and then cancel it. I think maybe it's just because there's too many shows 
that people just can't watch all of them. And the Watchmen, I know it's not the Watchmen, the Watchmen miniseries, uh, that's proper. Um, that show was such a good moment because it was, it seemed easy to convince people to watch it. You know, right. it's right. like, and I, I, I watched all of it. It was easy to get me to watch all of it. I was, I was sort of intrigued to begin with, very impressed ultimately by the show, though I was, uh, I, I was not afraid of starting it knowing that it was only going to be one season. And then after I watched all of it, there was a, uh, was it Damon Lindelof said in an interview, he's like, well, there's not going to be a season two. And I'm like, oh, I just assumed there wasn't going to be a season two. Why? Hmm. Uh, so I, I'm like, I watched something without knowing that I was, I try to watch something when I know that I can watch all of it. Right. Cause uh, I grew up on video games. I'm a, I'm a completionist. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, I got to know that I can, 100% and I don't want to watch something that gets canceled. So I feel like what I'm driving at here is I think the last of us would work really well as a mini series. It's interesting. I, I, I'm glad you brought it up in that way because I hadn't really thought that through. Um, but I, I think I agree. I think it's, you know, as a beginning middle and end story, at least that first game feels so complete. Obviously it ends with a cliffhanger type situation. And there's some indication in this new story that, some of the plot of Last of Us Part Two may be included in the series, but I think for me, I still have a bit of a stigma uh, when it says miniseries. I still feel like oh, miniseries, and maybe that's misplaced. I don't. You haven't think watched Chernobyl yet. That's well, <laughs> well. So miniseries is like I remember on the Emmys back in like the when I was a kid back in like the eighties or the nineties. I remember hearing the I remember being a small little baby child and hearing the phrase miniseries and thinking. Was that like a children's show or whatever? And now they say limited series, and it well, sounds much like, nicer. Yeah, it sounds uh, prestigious at that point. So we wanted to do more, but they limited us. Yeah, well, we limited ourselves. And then yeah, you better think, watch it now. This series is limited. Yeah, yeah like it's going to be gone. It's fantastic. So I think they should. Uh, they should keep doing that. And uh, I'm excited to watch the Last of Us show. And you know, uh, I mean. I, I've recommended the game The Last of Us to so many people over the last seven years or so, and then a, a lot of people I end up recommending it on the basis of the story. I mean, say what you will about the game design. Uh, the game, I think the game design is pretty good. Um, there's there's certainly a lot of stuff in there to unpack, both narratively and and level designedly. But there are a lot of people who are discussing movies that they like or books that they like, and I'm like, ooh, maybe you would enjoy The Last of Us for having. Uh, a fresh perspective on this uh, film that you like or or this this book that you like and then they're like i don't want to play a stealth game or i don't want to play a zombie game or and it's like oh now i'm just wondering is the show going to tell the story of the game is the show going to be something that i can recommend to someone just to get the story from the game or is it going to be something new and if it is the story from the game who's going to play the, the main characters right Wow, and that's the question, right? That's well, we'll yeah. get to that in a second. But I want to I want to hit yeah. on your first point, which is, you know, I think the indications now seem to be that it will follow the story of the first game. It'll feel. I think the in, in intention is that it will be an adaptation, in the same way that Game of Thrones is an adaptation of the of the books, or at least the first season was an adaptation of that first book. I think um, that's smart. Yeah, and and I, you know, Christian, you and I were talking um, when this news broke. We texted and made a big text chain back and forth. And I, you know, I know this is your favorite game of all time. And uh, I think this is a really cool thing. And I'm so glad Neil Druckmann is involved. But I expressed some um, disappointment is the wrong word, but uh, I, some some doubt, perhaps, as to 
needing to see it if it's just going to be the first game. And we agreed that it's really for, you know, it, it's a good thing, as Tim was indicating, for people that haven't played the game to see this incredible, beautiful story. But where I think you and I disagreed a little bit is you brought up Game of Thrones and Walking Dead as examples of adaptations that were really great uh, and, you know, stuck at least initially to their source material. And my only retort to that was that here is a piece of media that is attempting to be as photorealistic as possible. And then you make it into something that's actually photorealistic as opposed to something like game of Thrones, which is a, an, a thing that only exists in my imagination. And then you make it photorealistic. And I think there's for me, maybe something more exciting about that leap than the leap from nearly photorealistic to actually photorealistic. I don't want to be negative Nancy because I, I think this is really cool and I'm glad it's happening, but tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I think Tim did a good job explaining part of it where it just, this opens the door to so many more people to take in and experience this incredible story and, and this journey of Joel and Ellie and the world they live in and all of that drama where you try to tell someone it's a great game, but they haven't, played a game in forever or you know dual analog isn't easy for people who don't game regularly and now this is a way that they can experience that story it opens up to millions more people to to experience this world that i know and love so i think that's super exciting and then i you mentioned the walking dead and while that show certainly um strayed as it went on from the source material that was a comic book and the comic book's art style wasn't photorealism but it was you know, it wasn't abstract. It wasn't circles and squares, you know, like I knew a visual medium. You're right. Yeah. I knew what Rick looked like. I knew what Carl looked like. I had visions of all these characters and there were discussions when, you know, new characters were added, um, into, into the show and we got to, Oh, how do they look compared to the comic? And, um, it's certainly been done for years and movies have done that as well. Like comic book movies, it's an adaptation of this Batman story or this Spider-Man story. And some are closer than others. But I think it's super exciting. I mean, I think that's the story the first game tells is so impactful. I started replaying it again recently. I think I talked about it on this show and I got teary eyed at the beginning again. And um, I, I love that the people that were involved making the game are going to be making the show. Like hearing this announcement, HBO, Neil, limited series, all of the things that are about this game feel like just a total whiplash 180 to what we've heard about the Uncharted movie over the past, it feels like 80 years, you know, where so many different directors and Mark Wahlberg and, you know, Mark Wahlberg is going to be Nate, but then it took so long to make the movie that now Mark Wahlberg is going to be Sully. Um, <laughs> like that, that movie, it's just like hard to, for me to get excited about it. I, yeah. I want it to be great because I love Uncharted, but this, this feels, you know, it's not out till it's out, but this feels real. And this feels like the thing we Man. always wanted. I'm very Man, excited. I, the Uncharted movie. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to talk too much smack on the Uncharted movie. But I mean, because first of all, it's cool. There's two Naughty Dog things being made into things at the same time, right? I guess Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog wins as far as video game studios go. They've got two fancy uh, film TV pro- uh, productions being done at the same time. But the the Uncharted movie makes me kind of sad now that the not the uh, the last of the HBO series has been announced because I'm like, wouldn't an Uncharted HBO series be really cool? Uh, yeah, because isn't really isn't cool. Uncharted just kind of an Indiana? I mean, it's not okay. It's not just Indiana Jones. It's got it's got its own thing going on, though. It's like 
I think there's a lot, a lot of potential for episode and episodic nature in there. The Mandalorian was another, okay, the Mandalorian's not a limited series. Uh, I thought it was going to be a limited series. And then I got suckered into it at the end. It's like, oh, there's continuity here. I still keep here. hoping that Star Wars will start doing more limited anythings. Uh, yeah, <laughs> instead of Star connecting Wars. everything to an expanding universe. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get to the end of the Mandalorian and I'm just like, now I've got to wait for there to be a season two. And uh, I was, I was kind of hoping for a, more of a round conclusion there, but I'm just seeing all these mini series, these, 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 uh, limited series. And I'm like, that's a lot more fun for me as an adult who needs something to do while eating dinner than a yeah. movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, well, and uh, uh, an, un, an uncharted video or a TV series would be so good. And I think you're right. I would have loved that. And now it's like, well, he's like a teenager in the movie. He's I mean, like I young, think the only, mate. The only counter argument is that Uncharted kind of wants to have big set piece sort of movie budget level action sequences, I think. I think that property kind of wants that. And so I can see that as a film property just simply because of that. So you get the big, crazy set piece. But See, the way I see it, I I think uh, going back to Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones had one huge budget battle scene like every season. And it was so awesome. Every time, but it only it only it only got to that point because of its wild success, and HBO going okay, we'll spend multiple millions of dollars per episode, which is you know hard to do. I just think it'd be cool to have six episodes of solving a puzzle, (laughs) you know, solving a puzzle in a temple, and then like suddenly a cool action scene that's one episode long, and then you go back. I agree with you. I'm on that page too. That sounds great. But let's talk about that movie. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about that. Uh, the other point you brought up, which is you know, uh, fantasy casting, which is a fun thing to you know do as a as yeah. a, a mental exercise. Um, the just as a side point to to the casting, though, I, we talk about all these other examples of adaptations. I don't know of many that you know. You, a lot of times they'll adapt a play into a film, and so that happens. But I don't know of of many things like this where you literally have one set of actors having performed scenes and then another set of actors performing those same scenes. It just, it's very interesting to me. Um, but what actors, I mean, I think Josh Brolin leaps to mind for some people. Um, I think he's, a, he would be a great choice. Um, but I would love to hear what you guys are thinking just off the top of your head of your dream cast for this movie or show. I should say. I saw a million people on Twitter doing a dream cast and it's a, I mean, not the Sega Dreamcast, but uh, the uh, I saw people doing their their dream casting for this, and I saw Hugh Jackman come up a million times. And now I can't oh, yeah. get that can't get that out of my head. So that's that's my problem. But it's like, yeah, I mean, you got man. Hugh Jackman and Logan, you know, with the beard. Just trim that or, beard a little bit. Trim that a, hair a little bit. What's the movie where he was a dad and they steal the kids and it was really heart wrenching? Prisoners, um, dude. Prisoner, yeah. Him and prisoners is like. That's Joel. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to yell, but you mentioned Prisoners. I'm a, yeah, it's I'm, such a good movie. I, I yeah. get rowdy when I hear about that movie. I love, <laughs> I love yeah. it. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, fantastic yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Got Paul Dano as well. Oh, Paul Dano's so creepy in that movie. Oof. Paul Dano, the Riddler in the new Batman movie. Okay, so uh, my dog is barking. Little, my little Bibby Bamis is barking. Here, Big fan of Prisoners as well, man. That's I, Dogs like it. And dogs love Prisoners. I don't know what that means, but they do. Uh, but yeah, that that like that era of Hugh Jackman could be 
he could be Joel. Yeah, for sure. That's a great one. Christian, do you have a, like an Ellie pick? I mean, my, no, I want someone kind of unknown. I want someone that brings me in as the, as Ellie and not like Ellen page nailed it. You know, I think Ellen, she's too old, uh, for the role right now as well. So I'm hoping there's someone that I don't know that kind of surprises me. The the person that I want to throw out, um, that like immediately jumped out to me was, um, Zoe Saldana as Marlene. I Mm. think he would be incredible in that role. I think Marlene is such a strong, interesting character. Like it's always like Joel Ellie, but like Marlene's kind of the, you know, the match that starts this narrative, you know, really yeah. kickstarts things. And and if you make her um, compassionate and interesting and not one-sided and like an incredible actor on that role, I think can really, really sell it. Um, and I'm sure, I, I mean, I feel like it has to be for, uh, Joel or Ellie or anybody, I feel like the first thing HBO is doing is going to their Game of Thrones Rolodex, yeah. right? Like all I of saw those. Everyone, uh, I saw uh, Kingslayer, Jamie Lannister, with that actor, Nikolai. Yeah. Uh, what, what? What's his name? Nikolai Kosterwaldo. I saw yeah, him. The, the bearded shot of him. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, like, I saw yeah. that retweeted like a billion times. Uh, yeah. So I feel like the, that's very likely. Also, that guy's cool. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be into that. That's a great. That's. It was in Gods of Egypt. Did anybody watch Gods of Egypt? I had to see that movie as a punishment. I, I'm going to tell <laughs> you why. Why? We do a wager on my other my movie podcast, and uh, the winner of the wager gets to inflict a movie on the other people who didn't win, and that was the movie one year is Gods of Egypt. You know what? I actually uh, legit enjoyed that movie. <laughs> I, I sat enough, down man. for it, and I'm like. I'm like, I mean, I love John Carter, you know, uh, I, I, and I, I love some other dumb movies. That I like John Carter. Work. John Carter was really well done. I thought I thought John Carter was underrated. Uh, John, yes. John Carter is one of those movies. Everybody's going to say that they liked in about three years. Everyone's going to be like, oh, I loved John Carter. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like three years from now, everyone's going to say they love John Carter. And then it's like uh, it's like um, Speed Racer. I I loved that movie when it came out. And yeah. now everybody says they loved it. And I'm like, you all didn't love it when it came out. Yeah, I uh, I loved Speed Racer, dude. So good, so good. Oh, man, I made a friend. I didn't watch, watch it, it when it came out. I watched it recently, and I enjoyed it. So I'll, I'll cop to that. <laughs> I did not You're watch it. the reason it. it failed, Christian. You're yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yes, 100%. Speed Racer's so good. It's so good. But, uh, yeah, I like Gods of Egypt, too, because I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freak. There's something legitimately <laughs> wrong with me. But I sat down, and I paid $5 to watch it on $5 Movie Tuesday at the Bayfair Theater in San Leandro, California, late one nice. night. Bought myself a 20-ounce Red Bull, smuggled it in <laughs> under my jacket, and I sat there, and I was the only person in the theater, and I was just hooting and hollering, and I loved it dude and if you ever have that opportunity to watch it all alone in san leandro california check out gods of egypt (laughs) i'm not gonna yuck your young man i've told so many people to watch it and nobody's watched it it's a real shame and somebody's gonna watch it with me someday i'm gonna buy the 4k blu-ray of it before (laughs) before it's eradicated from the earth because i feel like it won't be available on streaming services forever but that's got that's got king slayer in it as a He plays one of those nonsense characters. I don't understand whose character. Ben Mendelsohn's in that movie too, in a weird, weird old role. Yeah, I love Ben Mendelsohn. Me too. And what's the uh, the Sons of Anarchy guy 
Charlie. Charlie Hunnam? Yeah, I think he'd be a great Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because let's face it, Hugh Jackman's not going to happen. It'd be great, right. though. It would be pretty good. Jackman ain't going to happen. I mean, I'll I feel be- like he's done that. I mean, I feel like Logan kind of is that movie. You know what I mean? It's, it's a little redundant. Uh, Logan yeah. with the girl, you know, bringing the girl who's, I don't know. It feels a little, maybe it's a little redundant. For they me. could get Viggo Mortensen just. <laughs> to the road. <laughs> the, guy yeah. from the, the guy literally from the road. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, this uh, it kind of stylistically uh, check, check marks a little bit, that game. Yeah. What else? Uh, Clive Owen from Children oh, of Men. Get him in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just get all the guys who've done it before. Can Clive Leon, Oliver the professional, here? maybe? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, John Renault. You get him to. I think you get Clive Owen in there. Uh, that would be funny. I don't know if he can grow a beard. I, I mean, no disrespect. I've just never seen Clive Owen with a beard. And a beard is essential to Joel. Yeah, I'm going to Google like Clive Owen beard later. We're gonna maybe see. Liam Neeson, but they changed the beginning so Sarah gets kidnapped. Yeah. Oh no. I have a very specific set of skills and they involve <laughs> taking parts of scissors and putting them together. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I've uh, said this on Twitter and I'll say it here. I will play the clicker with the least amount of screen time. Like just my shoulder. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be much. Just full body makeup just to have like blurry in the background in the woods somewhere, a three AM shoot in the rain. I'm down. I'm Neil in Neil Druckmann, if you're listening, and I know you cast are. me as some redneck who gets shot in the head. Ooh, Pittsburgh, that's good too. That's what um, I If I you're listening, my cast, me as, cast me as Joel. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, we'll keep it on Sony. We got a release date for Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, yeah. And it's soon. Uh, it isn't the, uh, the fall where everything has been pushed to. Right. It is yeah, June yet, 26th <laughs> as of right now. We got a release date. We got a story trailer, which uh, I don't know if you watched, Jeff, but I will say was awesome. And we got all the special editions and stuff like that. But June 26th, I was expecting, you know, yeah, closer to that fall release. This is a firm PS4 game. You know, however, Sony decides to bridge the gap. They haven't announced yet the way Microsoft kind of did. But it looks beautiful. I'm very excited to dive into that world and to see what the team's been working on for so long as a fan of Infamous. And I feel like it's been, what, six, seven, six years since we've seen something from them? First light it's a, for maybe I the think last it's easy thing? for them to double down on PS4 when uh, now, you know, PS5 is going to be 2021. Maybe. <laughs> it looks like all the anything, if you want any pieces from China, it's not going to be this year. Real production delays and real shipping delays and unpacking delays here as it gets better there. There's, you know, there's not going to be the unloading or infrastructure here. It's a, it's a real deal. But June 26th, digital on your PS4. <laughs> yeah. Hey, digital don't need to be sent from nowhere. The, the the shipping delays have caused me to not have my new computer monitor this week. Oh, yeah, not- you put together a new PC this week. Are, are you literally experiencing COVID problems? Uh, yeah, I actually, unexpectedly, the, the shipping of the monitor was delayed by like a month. But I got a PC. I have an old monitor plugged in now. But uh, I wanted my 240 hertz monitor, my big boy nice. monitor. Instead, I got my little boy monitor. That's still working pretty good. But uh, – I'm excited about that Ghost of Tsushima game. I'm very excited. Yeah. And let oh me tell gosh, you why. Because I love Samurais. That's about yeah, it. I can't get enough Samurais, right? <laughs> when I told people about uh, how excited I was about Ghost of Tsushima, because uh, uh, there were some people... Okay, so I, I worked in an office for a long time. I worked for a couple of years. I was a guy who made videos about video games, but there were many other websites in this 
same office that were under the same. I thought you just made videos umbrella. about Final Fantasy. I didn't know that there were other games that you talked about. Mostly just Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> they just uh, they they don't they don't pay they didn't pay too much attention to what I was making videos about. So I, <laughs> I ultimately just turned it into my Final Fantasy agenda. But there's a the people in my office who were working at other websites would come to me with their questions about video games, and I got this really good. Um, little miniature focus test of what people who are not video game players seek seek in video games. And by far, the one thing they were all most excited about was Red Dead Redemption 2. When Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, all the non-game players were freaking out about Red Dead Redemption 2. And toward the end of my time in that office, which I recently quit, um, uh, I noticed a bunch of people asking about Ghost of Tsushima, except they called it that samurai game. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, which one do you mean? Uh, do you mean Neo or do you mean uh, Sekiro or Ghost of Tsushima? And then eventually uh, Sekiro came out. Neo 2 has a release date, doesn't it? It's not out. Yeah, it's, it's like week. out now. Yeah, very soon. Because uh, me need that, right? And I will get it. And I will get it on my Steam, on my massive new PC. My PC is a refrigerator. Can but, I do a uh, quick side note? Because you brought up a Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, yeah, let's I would. It. I'd love the uh, HBO limited series for that, so I so I don't have to play it, and I get that sweet story that people talk about. Yeah, Maybe that. like, that's like five seasons, though. You'd have, to have <laughs> you'd have to have like a full series. That that story is uh, copiously a Niagara Falls of narrative generosity. There's so many themes and so many chapters and moments and movements to that story. I was I was in awe of its volume. By about oh, an entire episode just walking through camp, uh, just a whole hour of just walking through camp would be it. You know, carrying soup across the map or whatever. <laughs> so, people were like, people who are exist on the fringe of video games were picking up vibrations of this Ghost of Tsushima game. Where the people who worked at the video game website that I worked for, they I, I'm not going to name names, but one of them did say, I can't tell the difference between these samurai games. There's Sekiro, there's Neo, there's ghost of whatever which i don't even know what the difference between them is like what's what's different about them and i'm like oh they're kind of three wildly different games but i'm sure that i don't know someone was like th- this this person was like there's just too many of them now I'm like, no, there's exactly three right there's like there's like exactly <laughs> three samurai games and, samurai uh, showdown it was re-released you know there's yeah. uh so onimusha. there is samurai showdown onimusha when's when's there gonna be a new onimusha so I, I saw on a tweet when there was like the PlayStation official tweet that's like uh, Ghost of Tsushima is coming out on June 26th. I saw someone say, uh, does anybody remember Onimusha? I, I hope this game is like that. And I was like, oh, man, that guy's letting it all hang out there on Twitter. And, and I appreciate it because, uh, I mean, first of all, I couldn't possibly forget Onimusha. Yeah, and, I mean, and I'm a little bit sad that this guy clearly knows someone who has. Right. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Like I think once once Capcom has worked through remaking all its Resident Evils, they're inevitably going to turn to Onimusha and remake no, it. They have to. They have By that to. time, they go back to one again because it has no. been 15 years since one's been remade. What, what are they going to do after Resident Evil 3? Are they just going to remake uh, Resident Evil? They can't remake Resident Evil 4, right? Yeah, they no, it's. They can't. Yeah. Do, I mean, they, they can do like another, like an HD, like a, a second. I don't know. They can do an over-the-top mix of Resident Evil 4. 
for PlayStation 5. So oh, also another concern that I, I, I just osmosed scrolling down the Twitter replies to the PlayStation tweet about this release date was people are like, oh, isn't that too close to the PlayStation 5? Uh, I'm just going to wait and buy it on the PlayStation 5. And I'm like, I perceive that around E3 time, Sony will strongly message. And again, I have no inside information here, though. I mean, clearly, they've, they've, they've alluded to it in the past. PlayStation 4 games, 100% are going to run on the PlayStation 5 and it's going to be an Xbox One X sort of situation. I'm I'm predicting this. I know I'm right. I have no I don't know why I know I'm right, but I, I know I know I'm right. So what I would do if I were Sony is I would uh I would rebrand The Last of Us and, and Ghost of Tsushima with a a new box that doesn't say PlayStation 4, it just says PlayStation. It's mm. my suggestion. Sony, if you're listening. Kaz Hirai if you're listening, I know Cassie Rye's not the CEO anymore, but uh, but he's still an avid listener. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> listening. You yeah. can take the CEO out of the boy, but you cannot take the boy out of the CEO. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But man, I want this game. I really want this game. Yeah, and uh, I, I yeah, I, I think I know why you're right. You said you don't know why you you know you're right, but I think I know why you know you're right, and I think it's because they every time they've showed the PS5. Internally, it's playing <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> playing Goddard like, Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you know, it feels like, yeah, just pop in any PS4 game. It'll work great. No no load times. They're showing Spider-Man. Uh, they're like, it's got ray tracing. Oh, as of today, I know what ray tracing is. I mean, oh, I, always that new PC? I always knew what it was, but I was able to experience it today. I can tell you. In, in, well, we'll talk about it in the games you're playing, but, uh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm very excited but, uh, to hear that. So, more about this Ghost of Tsushima. I, I first saw it at E3 2018. I saw it. Well, no, okay, I saw whatever previews they had for it before, but they did that full-on luscious preview of it during their E3 2018 press event, which I was at in person. Were either of you at this press event? Oh, yes, I was. I, I scumbagged my way into press events. I guess I was actually employed by a, a media corporation at that time, so technically, I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm a media person or you know just some guy, but I was there. I was, you know, boots on the ground. And I was watching it. And that theater where they held the the bulk of the preview session, is it just me? Or was there like a lot of ambient light in there? And it was a projection yeah. screen. And I did not come away with a super favorable impression of that demo footage. I was just like, oh, it's all right. But then like a year later, I watched it. And I even tweeted about this at some point. Somebody finds the tweet. I tweeted wow, I just watched that 18 minutes of gameplay footage of Ghost of Tsushima, and it looks incredible. Like, every little detail is luxurious and luscious and deliriously delicious, and I was just very intrigued and drawn into it. And I just sat there with the gravity of the fact that this studio hasn't released a game in a long time, and they've been probably pouring a ton of stuff into this game. And uh, I'm very excited to see, because I love those, uh, those Sly Cooper games, you know? I liked all of them. I liked all of the the mascot games on the PS2. When first of all, when are we getting Jack Four? And when are we getting the Jack and Daxter, the HBO limited series? <laughs> when are we getting that? Like, get, get me to play Daxter. No, I don't want to play Daxter. Let me play Daxter, yeah. the little brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man. I'm going to play Daxter. <laughs> Sounds That's like you got the voice for it. Um, yeah. I am I am also very very excited of Ghost of Tsushima and it feels like June is a great time. It doesn't feel like there's other stuff happening in June that's going to be big and it's going to take me away. You know, 
October, November is going to be like a freight train. And I feel like June, I'm going to have time to really dig into this game, which is great. And, you know, you said you're a fan of uh, Samurai. I am too. The only thing I like more than Samurai is a gentle breeze. And this oh, game, yeah. This game is like full of gentle breeze. Just enough wind to kick up the rose petals. You know, that's what I'm talking about. That's every Jeff. video game, though, Jeff. Like every no, video game, your character game... stands still and their capes flapping. Like I've this never once has... stood Way still and had my hoodie blow as I stand. Did there. you see the Samurai running across the wheat fields yeah, in I the did. wind? The gently, ah. gently waving wheat. Ah. Yeah, the wheat ah. looks. I, I mean, I'm ready to 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 go all gluten diet based on that wheat. <laughs> I want to. I want to just. I want to mow that lawn with my mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's gently swaying. I'm. I am such a sucker for gentle sways. Oh man. Yeah. It looks. It looks spectacular, and the action looks good too. The combat looks good. Oh, I'm sorry. ready for it. June twenty sixth. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, buddy. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break and thank our first sponsor, which is Native. It's my deodorant. If you could smell me right now, you would know that I smell amazing. I smell like cucumber and mint. Yeah, there you go. Which is the new flavor or flavor, <laughs> the new uh, aroma, the new odor that I have uh, with my Native deodorant. I will tell you something that absolutely happened two days ago. My wife yells from the bathroom to me, hey, do you still have a, a promo code for native? I was like, yeah. She goes, well, we need more of that. We need to stop using stuff with a bunch of crap in it. We got to get we got to get that natural stuff. I like that native. And that's what people like about native. This is a deodorant that does not contain aluminum. Uh, it's made with ingredients, few ingredients, <laughs> ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter. It's simpler and it's got great scent. It, I told you about the cucumber and mint, which if you had told me before I started using native uh, cucumber and mint, I would just have no concept of what that even smells like. I'd be like, well, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. But having smelled it, I go, oh, that is lovely. They also have eucalyptus and mint, coconut and vanilla, which is their most popular aroma, lavender and rose. These are really lovely smelling deodorants. They're going to keep you smelling great all through the day. Uh, and it made with fewer ingredients, stuff that you know, it feels better. And even better than that, they have no risk to try it. So there's free shipping on every order. And there's a 30-day free return and exchange in the U.S. So give it a shot. There's no, no harm in even giving it a shot. See if you like how it smells. Like I said, sometimes those words don't really convey how lovely it smells. They also have an unscented option and a baking soda free formula for people with sensitivity to baking soda, which is nice. But there's an unscented option if you don't even want to smell like anything. You just you smell like like a gentle breeze across wheat, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. So uh, they have over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers. Check it out. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DLC during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com. Promo code DLC for 20% off your first purchase. N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Native deodorant. Promo code DLC. They've got a body wash as well. I'm looking at this. I didn't Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at I don't know if the body wash is included in the promo code, but uh, I was looking for a new body wash. That, that, uh, I think it's um 20% off your first purchase. So, yeah, if you want to use... 
did for body wash. Yeah, I haven't even tried their body wash, but that sounds awesome. They got a cucumber and mint body wash. It does. Sm- it smells really good. I'm not even joking, dude. It's really good smell. I almost really had good. a cucumber and mint uh, soda drink oh, in, yeah? in in China. There you go. This was, this you have, you have some virus, so. natives, don't you, buddy? Yeah, cucumber mint. If you go back and listen, it was my first, uh, first, first scent, and I just, as of recently, went through my last three pack and re-upped. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's what we're doing. All right, my story of the week. Um, huh. You know what? I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with my heart here, folks, and say uh, some uh, interview from Valve's Robin Walker in Game Informer magazine mentioning the impending release of Half-Life Alex, a game I am very excited about, saying that, quote, Half-Life means a lot to us, and it's been incredibly rewarding to re-familiarize ourselves with its character setting and mechanics. And there are Half-Life team members who have been at Valve since Half-Life 2, and quite a few who go back to the original Half-Life. For those people, returning to that world is something they want to do. Perhaps there will be, uh, it says, quote, we absolutely see Half-Life Alex as our return to this world, not the end of it. More Half-Life games as a result of Half-Life Alex, perhaps. Uh, get me excited. I actually reinstalled Half-Life 2 this week to just get, I'm just so excited. About you didn't Black Mesa? You didn't jump on the finally released full version of Black Mesa? No, the, of the big mod that, yeah, I did not do that. It's not even a mod anymore. I mean, it's like a new, it's, it, it looks incredible. I've heard it's great, but I have not. I got that Black Mesa. I got it did today. Did you play it? I didn't, I didn't launch it, but I got it. Yeah, I hear it's I great. Got, I got it just to get it, just, to, you know, just to say. <laughs> gotta get it. You gotta get it. <laughs> but I also reinstalled uh, Half-Life 2 on my oh, yeah? new PC. I clicked on the, clicked on the little install button. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for Half-Life Alex. I'm excited for more Half-Life games. I, you know, I'm a VR nut, so I'll be perfectly happy happy if that means more Half-Life games in VR after Alex. I would love for it to be a its own series of VR games. I hope it does well. It seems to be helping grow the VR marketplace. I mean, over 100,000 Valve uh, in, uh, indexes were sold after it was announced. So, you know, hopefully this grows in a, in a VR um you know, breaks off and becomes a, a whole VR chain of game series is the word I was looking for. Um, but it sounds like there may be some indication that there'll be other Half-Life games that aren't VR. And I wonder if you guys are excited about that. What do you, what do you think, Tim? Back to the, should Half-Life reclaim its uh, mantle of being one of the top tier game franchises? Well, I got to say, uh, I know a guy at Valve. I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. Uh, I don't want to betray uh, his confidence, but mm. they are making Half-Life 3, and it is coming out very soon. That's a joke. I don't know anybody. Or do <laughs> I? Um, I really think, okay, so I saw this. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm not a huge VR person, by which I mean I don't own a VR thing, you know? I don't own a VR thing, but I just got a computer that can handle it. Uh, and the Half-Life Alex is one of the things I'm thinking of. Got to get me a headset. Yeah, gotta, you do. Got to I got to get me a headset and play this thing, uh, but I also got to replay Half-Life 1 and 2 and the episodes just to uh, fully prepare myself. There's a, I mean, Half-Life 3, Half-Life Episode 3, uh, any any new Half-Life game has been such a huge, a crushingly gigantic internet joke for so long now that the fact that there is any new Half-Life game at all 
it's pretty miraculous. And I would say there's no way they're not bringing it back full style. You know, there's no way. There's just no way. Well, I, I would be excited to see that. I'm also excited if it's all VR. I mean, I, I've said before on this show that what Half-Life 2 did for video games, sort of introducing physics as a thing, I felt like Half-Life 3, it, it, it had the mantle of being, it had the, had the responsibility almost, the burden of being, needing to push the whole genre forward, the whole, the whole medium forward. And the only, I think the best way to do that, the, 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 the way to do that, that is of the now is VR. That's, that's where I think it can be the most impactful and that's what they're doing. So I think that's kind of yeah. rad. I don't There's know what a, got to, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and who, who better, right? Who better and what better franchise, but if you're talking about a more traditional, you know, play it on a flat screen with a mouse and keyboard type game, I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it, is it enough to just be a really good game or does it have to feel like this thing that we all waited decades for realized? What do you think, Tim? I feel like, I feel like it's uh, the, so, okay. I having just worked at Kotaku.com for several years, there was always a, we would do morning meetings where everyone talks about what the stories are of the day or what games they're seeing out there. And anytime someone would say, oh, I saw this cool VR game, they would always start talking about it. And then they would always be like, oh, we don't have to write about that because our, our the readers just didn't like VR. And they would always leave comments. They're like, we don't like VR. Right? I mean, okay, they wouldn't say we. They didn't speak as a, as a group. But there, there was very often commenters would just be like, I don't like VR. Why do you guys why – why are you guys always talking about VR to a point where Kotaku just – basically never really talked about VR because people didn't seem to want to hear it. And I feel like there was this perception out there, at least among hardcore video game people, that VR just wasn't there yet. And every experience I've ever had in VR, I've, I've enjoyed and I've considered very pleasant. However, I've never played something that was hugely incredible. And I feel like somebody has to make that. And why shouldn't it be Valve, right? Why shouldn't it be Half-Life? I feel like there's no better game for it to be than Half-Life. But I feel like at this point, it needs to be a really good game. It needs to be a really full game, a, a finished game. I don't want to say a big game or a giant game. It just It has to be a big, real thing that everyone freaks out about. you know. And I just don't know if anybody's ever going to make that for VR. It's just, well, I, I would argue that can. someone did. It's, it's called Lone Echo, but that's 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 me. I'm I've a bit of, biased. I've heard of Lone Echo. I, I think Lone Echo is that thing. I just think most people. It's on my play. my short list. Of it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. VR games to play. Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you think about this? Uh, do you think that a more Half Life games is good? Uh, we you know there was a time where we thought more Star Wars movies would be good. We waited a long, long time for them, and then they came. And then now I don't know if it was. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, and if so, are you hoping that it'll be more traditional Half-Life? And if so, does the more traditional Half-Life need to be special or can it just be a solid first-person shooter? Well, I think a solid first-person shooter that tells the story as compelling as 1, 2, and Episodes 1 and 2 told, I think is something special. I don't think it needs to necessarily reinvent a physics system. I mean, if they're able to come up with something, then great. But I, I think 
oftentimes, Jeff, I feel like the way you talk about, to some extent, uh, half-life non-VR games or non-VR games in general, there's maybe like the implication that it's all been done before, but I don't think it has. I think there are still very special things that people do um, in non-VR games that are inventive and push the medium forward. And um, whether it's, you know, the Mario series evolving the 3D Mario games and what they did with Galaxy and then... um, odyssey recently and then get fun you know compelling gameplay mechanics like portal and portal 2 again from valve i think there's totally room for valve to blow people out of the water with another half-life game that does not take place in vr but to your point about you know star wars and star wars movies and star wars content and whatever i would go back to what you know tim was talking about we were talking about the beginning of this episode there's something really great about a limited series. And so I think if they have a story to tell, I want them to tell it. I think what makes Half-Life so personal for so many people is that they had a story to tell and they never finished it. <laughs> it doesn't, I just, it's I not, just don't think the story is the thing that brings people to Half-Life. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe that's just me personally. But I was, I mean, I think the first game barely has a story. But it's at the a, time, great, I thought it was a super compelling story. It's just been well, it's done a great to death hook, a million times. Right? It's atmosphere. a nameless atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Nameless, faceless dude go, shows up to work and a portal to another dimension opens up. That's a pretty cool hook. But beyond that, there's not much story. There's no, And then the military shows up and... Yeah, I think the world's... I don't know. I think the world's very compelling. I think they did a really good job of showing, not telling. Um, and then in Half-Life 2, they started to tell. And then Half-Life 2, Episode 2... They were telling a lot, <laughs> and then it stopped. Uh, You're right, Alex, The story of Alex and and uh, what's the name of her dog? The yeah, dog. Yeah, uh, you're right. That that is interesting stuff, and and um, certainly the atmosphere of City Seventeen. I'm reminded, having reinstalled the game, I'm reminded yeah. how just amazing that was to enter through the train and then go through all that, all that process with the scary guards, and then walk out into that big city the first time. And like the loudspeakers, like it's like atmospheric storytelling, right? Like, I feel like maybe I'm being unfair here and I think you're calling me out on that and maybe you're right, but I feel because I lived through it at the time, it felt amazing because nobody was doing that. And now everybody is doing that. And I feel like, is there this burden on Half-Life to do something that nobody is doing? I feel like every AAA video game that comes out right now owes a something or other to Half-Life 2 sure. specifically. And I feel like it's almost such a tall order for anyone to develop a Half-Life 3 because the expectation is there that it's it's the sequel to something that defined so many elements of multiple genres of games. Like, that's a... I wouldn't want to work on that game, Right. Can you imagine a person who would want to work on that? That's a lot of pressure, man. I'll be a clicker I, I, in it on the background. I, mean, you know? I, I want to be Joel. I'll, I'll be a redneck who gets <laughs> uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's one of the reasons we haven't seen any Half-Lives in the last, you know, however many years is because that that just built up and up and up and up and it just felt like an impossible mountain to, to, to climb. But I would argue they did that once. That they was did. the first Half-Life game, and then Half-Life 2 happened, and people were like, there's no way they can live up to the first Half-Life, and then they did. And I mean, I, I guess I'm romanticizing that release perhaps a bit, but it to me it was one of the greatest – taking away the – our code got stolen and the delays, 
but how they orchestrated that reveal of that game, what that game was, and then how it came out was one of the great video game releases ever. It just, it, they secretly worked on this game. They revealed it. They revealed the physics system that nobody had done anything like that before. It just felt like, Oh, a paradigm shift just happened in video games. And that's what I kind of go. Oh, I feel like they felt that that's what a half-life main release had to be is this paradigm shift. Here's my question back to you then, Jeff, what do you think they do in VR? Cause you mentioned lone echo there's bone works. There's walking dead. Like what are they? What? I think it's enough. I mean, I've heard that the inter- level of interactivity of the world is really the paradigm shift here where it's, it's a lot of those games are very, very good, but this game is literally like, Oh, I'm in a real world with where everything is interactable. Um, I haven't played it, so I don't know for sure, but that's, that's what I'm hearing about. That's just an evolution of what VR games have been doing, right? But it's like the, the next but step. There's so, but there's so few things doing it and none of the, of the, you know, of the marquee name recognition as this, that it does feel like, oh, there, this is, I mean, it's exactly what Tim was expressing, right? He's like, oh, there's no games out there. And people like me who are super into VR can go, oh, there's this game and that game. But I think to the mainstream, this can have the potential of feeling like that paradigm shift because it's like, oh, now I'm noticing what's possible in VR. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's room for a non-VR game to still, I mean, if you would t- like look at God of War or yeah, Celeste, yeah. like two recent games that are in genres that are well, you know, trodden genres that I think push those genres forward and did cool things and have clearly stuck with me or Uncharted or The Last of Us. Like, I still think there's a, a room to do it. And if history has taught us anything, it's that Valve is clearly capable of putting in the time and resources to make sure it's done right. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly excited and I'm excited to have a potential return to this world. As you guys said, it's a, it's really interesting. Um, we've done, there's lots of bleak, you know, post-apocalyptic worlds out there or, or, um, or for real, like real worlds we live in. I mean, maybe that's the thing is that by the time we get more half-lives, we'll all be living in (laughs) half-life this month. It's this month. It's this month. I'm ready to play this Half-Life, Alex, and I'm ready to be sold on VR. I'm ready to put strap something onto my eyes and lock the door. You know, I'm I'm ready to live in a game world. I've been waiting for it since the since the 1990s. I played Tactile Nightmare in uh, (laughs) in middle school and freaked out. You know, and I'm like, I saw Lawnmower Man. Yeah, I saw Lawnmower Man. You know what? They should make an HBO limited series about Lawnmower Man. (laughs) I would play a clicker in that. (laughs) <laughs> all right let's uh okay. let's move on and talk about the games that we have been playing in this segment we call the playlist all right tim you have mentioned that you you know built this new kick butt pc yeah it's and- a monster yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. First it's of horrible, all, and it's gonna it's gonna destroy my life. Well, in the best possible way. It's gonna be sweet. So sweet what, is, what, did, what did you? What was the first thing that you uh, you you downloaded and put this baby through? So the okay, so I I, I, I downloaded Steam as one does, right? And uh, I remember years and years ago when first getting Steam, explaining to someone, explaining to someone someday. I'm going to have the best PC possible and it's going to make perfect sense to have all of these games in Steam. 
And finally, yesterday, it made perfect sense. Yesterday was my first day. Uh, no, two days ago was my first day really, really getting, you know, getting in there with the PC. So I opened up Steam, and the first thing I downloaded was The Witcher 3. And, Smart. Uh, Good choice. Excellent choice. I remember 2015, everything being about, uh, being about uh, The Witcher 3 uh, being the benchmark game. Can you run? I can run The Witcher 3 in 4K, dude. I recall people saying, most of them liars, back in 2015. So I uh, just, for the, the principle of the thing, I downloaded The Witcher 3, loaded it up, played through to the, you know, the, the beginning of the first chapter, through the tutorial. And then I, I cranked the, the graphics up to 4K, put everything on Ultra, and had it on my TV at 60 frames per second. And I just spun the camera around a bit. And I just looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm money, really money well spent. Play this whole game again. So there's that. There's, there's that. There's Witcher 3. Uh, incredible. I'm, I've got a 1440p, 144 hertz monitor coming. I'm going to play the whole thing in 21.9 aspect ratio see more of the world than i've ever seen before without having to move the camera as much but then i, I love did, that ultra wide dude i'm all about that ultra wide i'm ready to have an ultra wide lifestyle like uh, so i mean i i mentioned to a guy at micro center here shout out to micro center in brooklyn I'm, they're not sponsoring me to say this but i love that place uh, i live near a nice micro center i told the guy i'm like yeah i'm gonna get one of these for work and he's like oh <laughs> for work yeah and i'm like no i i use adobe premiere all day every day and unity and it's nice to have the extra wit i'm not trying to pull one over on a boss here i'm my own boss and he's like oh sorry man and i'm like you better be and uh, <laughs> uh so I, I downloaded grand theft auto 5 which here's <laughs> i can see why you wanted to find it out dude. Experience. <laughs> the dog is freaking out about grand theft auto 5 he's a little bibby babis my child he's he's back there barking i got grand, what, what does he want he already Grand had Theft Auto Five on an ultra wide. Yeah. I mean, it's clear. Yeah, clear. We he wants to it. see me steal some cars, I guess. So I got Grand Theft Auto Five, and uh, here's a fun confession: is I actually never beat that game because when that game came out, I was in the middle of I was in the middle of a work project that ended up taking like three years, and I ended up just only ever playing Grand Theft Auto Five one night, and I told myself I was going to play it in 4K at 60 FPS, and that is, that is what I will do very soon. Uh, I will finally, I because I I played all the way through. Here's my sad confession: I played all the way through Red Dead Redemption Two twice, uh, which is why did I do that? 4K, 30 FPS on my Xbox One X. Played it both in my office and I played it at home, two different save files because I guess I just want to be a real slow cowboy. Is what I want in my life. Well, that's so, not going to get delivered on its own, you know? Exactly. Like- exactly. What is wrong with him? He, uh, okay, so I got I got Red Dead Redemption 2. I went ahead and I spent $60 on Red Dead Redemption 2 again because I guess I might, I might end up playing that game all the way through once more just to have the experience of playing it at however many frames per second I can get. I don't know how many frames I'm going to get out of it. I know at least 60. I don't know if I can get it up to the 100 it's a or so. very pretty game on pc i have not followed it it launched kind of uh not buggy is not the right word but there were issues in my opinion but i think they've yeah. got ironed out but i have not gone back to it in any significant way but it's very beautiful i'm ready to find out what all the issues are and i'm gonna play the, i'm gonna play the heck out of it 
And so it's, you're never uh, going to play GTA Five, is what you're saying? You bought Red Dead Two again. <laughs> I think I think I might actually play GTA Five as like my next uh, my next video game. I might even put off playing through The Witcher Three again for that. I'm supposed to be starting my own YouTube channel uh, for which I will be reviewing uh, new releases and such. So I should probably. Uh, I mean, it, it it does actually kind of feel like some research to play. Oh, and then I also downloaded, and this is uh and this is something I must, uh, I feel uh, I have to speak in a confessional tone. I downloaded the heck immediately out of Watch Dogs. Watch oh. underscore dogs, the first game oh. in, the, in the Watch Dogs trilogy. I downloaded that. Um, and I'm Coming soon to HBO as a limited series. Oh my God, I would watch the heck out of that. Watch Dogs is great because it's like, what if Batman were a little bit boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, I actually... I think, and I maintain, and I would like to prove in a long-form video essay, which anyone listening to this, follow me on Twitter, and I will be announcing a Patreon soon. I would like to prove in a long-form video essay that I believe, I'm proving that I believe something, that Watch Dogs is the most interesting game of its console generation. Wow. That's what I would prove. It's, I, I mean, see that video essay interesting and then the other thing i played because i was talking about ray ray casting earlier is i downloaded that quake 2 rtx oh yeah you know about this i downloaded yeah i I had a good time looking at that and uh i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna spend too much time messing around with that because i got quake 2 over here as well i'm gonna get the whole the whole kit and caboodle over here can i get what i can do can i get like a thousand foot view cliff's notes version of why you think Watch Dogs is the most interesting game of its generation well it's uh it's an open world game that doesn't really have to be an open world game and it has so many systems and it has a such such a collision of systems it's just like a, a 15 car pileup of video game systems and somehow when you're have you played Watch Dogs? Uh, barely okay well maybe it's better for me to well this is why it has to be a long-form video essay because i have to spend a million hours thinking about it but uh it's uh, how would I pitch Watch Dogs to somebody who doesn't even know what it is, right? I have, to, I have to make the video exciting to someone who's never even heard of this game. It's a game where you're you're basically real life Batman vigilante guy, right? Going Gadgets. around and uh, trying to get revenge on some evil technology corporation that did something or other involving a murder, involving something resembling one of your family members. And you need revenge. Your life is ruined. You're a sad, sad man in a baseball cap and a hoodie. And it's kind of like it's it, it feels like Ubisoft kind of Ouroborosing their own tale where with regards to Assassin's Creed. It feels like some sort of strange Assassin's Creed fan fiction. It has all these systems in it. It has all the open world stuff. It's kind of. When I saw it, it struck me as kind of like the cyberpunk video game that I always wanted. And then when you get into it, it's like it doesn't really have all the world building you would want from something cyberpunky. However, it's got it, it's got its own thing. It's got its own world building, and it really has its own sense of what its world is. It's not necessarily super great, but it's really big and it's really bold and it's really weird. And I love. It just makes me feel like a detective when I when I look at this story because there's a character who is 
must have been the main character's wife at some point in the in the in in the writing and then they changed it to be like his sister because they have this conversation that's a very very adult grown-up conversation like late in the game and it's just this very sad there's this moment this dramatic high point where you know spoilers she pulls over the car and tells you to get out because she doesn't want you in her life anymore and it's like wow i just got you just get like dumped out of the car of the person who's driving you to your open world game mission. Right. And basically saying they don't want to talk to you anymore. And then you can't ever talk to them for the rest of the game. And it's like, this is like right near the end. Just little things like that. Little, uh, kind of aspirational flourishes that are all over this game where developers and designers and writers must have had so many great ideas. And then they were, obviously there was, there was some public showing of the game and then the second public showing of it, the graphics weren't as good. The, the games people got mad out there on the internet. And there was just a, there was a whole lot of strange tumultuousness surrounding this game. And clearly it's a triple A game that had to be pushed out in a, at a, on a specific schedule. And it just, they ended up with this product that is very singular. And I feel like Watch Dogs 2, which is a better game, wasn't quite as singular as Watch Dogs 1. And uh, I would love to explore Watch Dogs 1. I would love to spend 400 hours of my life (laughs) replaying that game and uh, trying to articulate exactly what I find. So deeply fascinating about it. Ten times more fascinating than Bioshock. Whatever (laughs) that means. Uh, In my opinion. Are 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 you excited about Watch Dogs Legion? I will play it. Um, I don't know how excited I am about anything at all right now, uh, but I, I, what I've seen of it, I'm like, Oh, it's like, you can control any NPC. There was that Twitter thread where a guy was like, wait, I know the guy who did that. I don't want to smack talk a guy I know, but uh, well, I knew a guy who made a Twitter tweet where he was like, there's a, uh, they call it, you can say, so you can control any NPC. Uh, that's embarrassing because. Well, if you can control them, they're not an NPC. And it's like, okay, bro. I, see, I see what you're saying. Got like 10 million retweets on this thing. I'm like, I see what you're saying, but it makes it makes sense to people. I think I'm, the idea would be you can convert an NPC into a PC. Yeah. But then you say PC, people are thinking that you're going to be getting free personal computers out of it. <laughs> oh, man. We got, we got acronym problems. Wait, so is an NPC just like a, a computer at a library? Like a non-personal <laughs> yeah. computer? Non-personal computer. Is that what it is? An oh, impersonal wow. computer, yes. It's a, it's a public computer. You know, when, when was the first time you encountered the uh, the abbreviation NPC? For me, it was a young child. <laughs> Baldur's Gate. Oh, Baldur's yeah, Gate probably... uses the phrase NPC in the, in the in-game tooltips. And I saw that, and I, it's just, I don't know, I went to journalism school. Believe this or not, you know, you don't have to believe it, because uh, I don't believe it sometimes. I remember the the rule of first reference, which is you always explain what a thing is before you uh, you always use the the spelled out version. There was like a right. list in the AP style book that we had to memorize in journalism school, and there were a few abbreviations that were immune to the first reference rule. One of which was AARP, American hmm. Association of Retired Persons. That yeah. one was it was was exempt from the first reference rule. However, for BioWare, they did not see the phrase NPC as exempt to the 
first reference rule in the game Baldur's Gate. So I saw that as a as a teenager, as a high school student, and I thought, what what does that mean? I didn't know what it meant. I didn't hang around at Games Workshop or whatever where people would have been talking about Baldur's Gate. So I didn't know what an NPC was. Yeah. I felt like a fool. Is it a Dungeons and Dragons term? It's a bit, yeah. It's, I think it was, I think it probably, as most role playing game uh, conceits, I think it started, originated with Dungeons and Dragons. I got to check that Dungeons and Dragons. It's in my backlog. That's my joke about backlogs. I have a Dungeons and Dragons show I can recommend to you. Uh, oh. Stay tuned for that. It's the one I do. Um, well, it sounds like you are on a road of excitement with your PC. Going back to the greatest hits here. Yeah, right. man. Listen to what that. you got to do with that Witcher 3 is, is install those crazy mods, that all the graphics mods. That's what I'm thinking. Real good. Real, real good. Isn't there one that makes Geralt look like uh, Henry Cavill? Another. There you go. Is that why there's a Last of Us series? Because The Witcher? Did that help yeah, him get greenlit? I still haven't I watched have no doubt. Read all those books. Played all those games. I've been putting off watching this series. But I'm gonna, Did you like the books? I haven't read any of the books. Uh, I I love like bland yeah. fantasy books. Like bland. bland. Like I love them. And uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I was surprised by this. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan of like nineteen thirties uh, pulp fantasy fiction. You uh you you've played Red Dead Redemption two twice. Yeah. You're super into Watch Dogs. Yeah, I think uh, enjoying bland fantasy tracks. I think that's uh, I think that tracks. I enjoy uh, I enjoy having a particular set of tastes, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's that's what I also love the the sequels, direct to video sequels to Jean Claude Van Damme movies <laughs> that don't have Jean Claude Van Damme in them. Yeah, where he's like he's kind of just been pushed out of them. They and just reference else. character. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, there's there's just this wild. I could do a. I could do a six-hour video examining the film uh, Bloodsport 4, if anybody ever wants that. Four. Love it. Bloodsport 4. Still Bloodsporting. Yeah, oh, it's, it's called Bloodsport 4, the Dark Kumite, actually. And Dark Kumite. <laughs> it's pretty good. It starts as, Daniel, as opposed to that big, light-hearted Kumite that's in all the other ones. Yeah, the really fun one. <laughs> <laughs> the really fun one with the guys like Ray Jackson being like, I did it! Frank! My friend! And then the dark Kumite is just like a guy literally says, I will make him kill. When he is mine, I will make him kill. Which doesn't make any sense. So you need to watch the film. Everybody watch Bloodsport 4. All right. That's our homework. Watch Bloodsport 4, the dark Kumite. You're going to love it. All right. But first, it is time to tell you about our second sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. I've legit been using ExpressVPN for two years now. Uh, and they just started sponsoring us. So this is actually something I've been using, been paying for out of my pocket before I ever was sponsored by them. And we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, but ExpressVPN can take your TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. How cool is that? You can watch, like, Doctor Who on UK Netflix using ExpressVPN. And the reason for that is because ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the the Netflix libraries you can go through. You'll have anime, huh? ExpressVPN gets you access to Japanese Netflix. 
But uh, it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC Player, YouTube, you name it. You can pretend like you're from a different country and see content that's exclusive to that country. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN is because it's so fast. That's the thing. A lot of times, a VPN will slow you down, and I do not want to be slowed down when I'm doing stuff like that. When I'm watching shows, you don't want to get lag. ExpressVPN, ridiculously fast, never any buffering or lag, and I can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phone, media consoles, smart TVs, whatever you need. You can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are with ExpressVPN. So if you visit expressvpn.com slash DLC right now, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash DLC. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash DLC. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist these days? The thing I want to talk about is uh, we talked about a lot of uh, Ubisoft games, so I'll keep it there. And the Division 2 Warlords of New York expansion came out. Oh, yeah. I love it. I will self-admit I did not ever hit level 30 on Division 2. I played a lot more Division 1 than I did Division 2 for, I don't know, whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, maybe it was when the game came out and other things or whatever, but I did get back into base, you know, kind of vanilla division two here before warlords came out. And then when warlords came out, I used the included boost to level boost my character to level 30 and then gear 2.0, which is also in the base game now, but was kind of brought in with this big patch. And so for me who really, really liked the first division and spent many more hours with it than division two going back to New York which is where this expansion takes place is awesome. Like time has passed. It is similar. You know, you you can see similar parts of the city or just the feeling of what New York city looks like now much later into, um, you know, the world, dare I say, kind of maybe rebuilding, but also still having tons of problems. Christian, you know, what's the good thing about playing the division now is, is that it sort of feels like, no, I'm going to try to not bring any of that up because that is the depressing side of it. It is real bad. but like you're looking at the the future a little bit, right? You're looking at that that fun that fun crazy no. scene that plays at the beginning and explains how quickly the disease spread. Yeah, isn't that fun? Because now it's that's CNN. That's always the problem with Tom Clancy games and novels, right? They're always like just near fit, and you're like, "This is so cool!" And then you're like you turn on the news, and it's like such and such country launches, and you're like, "Oh no!" I, I grew uh, up on U.S. military bases. We read all those Tom Clancy books as soon as they came out because they just they end up in your house somehow. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when uh, when stuff started uh, when when stuff started going down in the Middle East in the early '90s, I just remember being like. A twelve-year-old kid being like, "Oh, I read a book. Is this real? I read a book about this, right? Uh, are they just now getting around to that part?" And uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw the division. I, I played a little bit of the division one when it came out, and I, I liked it largely. And then I just remember being like, "This is a little too real." Yeah, it. And it now it's really now way. it's way too real. It's it's, yeah. it's way disturbing. too real. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're having fun. Well, the game is good. I mean, it, it, it is very fun. I think 
you know, I, I did not spend as much time with the division two as I have probably already. No, that's not true. I probably spent more with the base game than I have with warlords, but gear 2.0, like it is easier to see in a snapshot kind of what is better, what is worse, how it improves your character, looking for that kind of perfect role item that you like playing with that has its sub stats to max and stuff like that. And what I really like about the warlords of New York is that it feels more contained, which for me is a positive. I could see for other people not wanting that, but it feels like it takes what I liked about Ghost Recon Wildlands, which was the, not the current, the older Ghost Recon, where there's one big boss, you finally get to go, you know, finish the fight of Division uh, One, which kind of left you on a cliffhanger. And you get to get there, you take down sub bosses first. So it feels very much, you know, Wildlandsy, where you got to go into this area, take out these, you know, clear this area out, take out this sub boss, learn from this sub boss where the main boss is and go to this other area and do that. Um, so it feels very manageable, but still set in the Tom Clancy division kind of open world, um, enticing sandbox where it's like, okay, this game is manageable. I'm going to go take care of this, you know, sub boss. And then on my way, I do 15 side things because I'm walking there and the things like there's a, you know, control point nearby. And I'm like, well, I got to go take that down. I'm not going to let that the radio broadcast nearby. I'm like, Oh, well, I'll just do that. And then it's, you know, an hour later and I haven't <laughs> got to the mission that I was supposed to do, but it's really, really fun. And it, it feels like $30 well spent. I know sometimes these big expansions with, you know, larger price tags can maybe feel like they're not delivering enough, but my time with it so far, it feels like it's very much this full real realized expansion. Um, my only knocks against it right now would be uh, when you start it, you can't go back to DC it's kind of, and they tell you this, but it's like, you're, you're going to New York. You got to go, you're going to go take care of this thing. So I could see a few people, you know, maybe getting bored or wanting to go grind out something else in DC that they were doing. And you, it kind of locks you into this expansion. Um, and then I, I could see some people feeling like it's too small. But again, for me, that is a, a real plus where it's this, this world I'm going to be in and play and be able to finish and, and move on from. And so I'm curious to see, I don't know if the expansion in gear 2.0 will turn the division two into people's forever game, you know, more so the way I think it was kind of designed to be, or if it will be another nice self-contained thing. I'm curious what in-game content will be like for the hardcore players. I will never see it or experience it in any real meaningful way. So it doesn't apply to me, but I'm curious all the tweaks they made to the the core game, how it, how it will affect those, those long-term players. But I, I highly recommend it. I'm really, really liking it. And every time I go back to it, I'm reminded of how beautiful of a game it was and still is. It's a, uh, Really fun. Division seems two like warlords of, of New York. Uh, sorry. It seems like a bit of a bummer to me that uh, in a game, that's an open world game that it's shut off from the old content instead of you being able to sort of freely move back and forth. I know there are two different U S cities and right. travel, but it still feels like that's a bit of a bummer in, in, with an open world game. But New York is open world. Like it's not like, sure. you know, it's yeah. all of a sudden linear, but yeah, you literally, you move over to this very important mission and you're going to go do it. So like I think that's kind of the narrative hook is like you got to go take down Aaron finally. <laughs> you but then know? the end game content stays in New York, right? You're you're not coming back to Chicago for it. You've literally DC. left the. Oh, sorry, DC. Yes, DC. Uh, you've literally left the base game completely for good. No, you can go after you complete the campaign. I believe I have not done this, but from what I've read, so double check me on this. But after you complete the narrative campaign of Warlords, you can go back to DC and do Dark Zones and stuff like that there. And they've all been tweaked with kind of this 
big patch update as well that that changes drops and gear and stuff like that. So I think there's well, some seems- raids in New York, but then you can also go back to DC and and do all that stuff. That seems better. That, yeah, that's, that's that's cool. Awesome, man. I'm yeah, I'm I'm tempted to jump back into Division Two as well. Um, you know, mostly because it's the world now, but also it's a great game. It's a great game. Yeah. Anything else on your playlist? Not really. I'm just trying to get my body ready. I mean, Ori is is this week, so yeah, man. As you're listening I'm to excited. this, I'm probably playing Ori. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I have uh, been playing lots more Wilson, Lords of Mayhem, which is still my jam. I also have decided to lean into the idea. You know, I've talked on the show a bunch about um, how I sort of slow to admit to myself that I love. Uh, roguelikes <laughs> but it turns out like all my favorite games <laughs> have some roguelike in them it just doesn't seem like the genre that i would like but then i end up liking all the games that i play in that genre so i'm i'm trying to lean into it a bit and as uh, because i had waited so long to play hades and you know sitting there in early access and i was like ah, i'll wait till it's fully released and then i finally decided to just buy hades and get into it and it's quite good uh now i'm sort of leaning in and going okay let's get a little more proactive on some of these awesome looking roguelikes that are still in early access. There was one just released into early access this week that I went up, went ahead and plonked down my dollars for it's 15 bucks. So I was like, eh, I can do that. No problem. Let's do it. It's called curse of the dead gods. Uh, I bought it on steam 15 bucks. This game's awesome. It's awesome. It is real early access. I mean, it just debuted on early access and they talk about, lots more content coming. And honestly, if I had a big complaint about it right now, it would be not enough content, but that's the whole nature of the beast. That's what they're doing. That's why it's in early access to so they can fund more content. Curse of the Dead Gods is a top-down isometric roguelike, very similar to Hades. It's almost like if Hades and um, Darkest Dungeon had a baby. It very much borrows a lot of ideas from Darkest Dungeon, which is not a roguelike, well, I guess it is technically, but it's not an action roguelike. It's a turn-based game. But the idea of Darkest Dungeon, if you haven't played that, which you should, it's great, um, is that it is very it is very uh, bleak and all the characters are delving into this horrible, horrible place and slowly get corrupted and things go wrong and their psyches break down and they go insane and then certain negative aspects happen to them over time. And it's, you know, it's a game that I couldn't play for too, too long, even though I thought it was excellent, just because it was so bleak. Some of that idea is being used in Curse of the Dead Gods. This is an an action, top-down, isometric action uh, role-playing game or action game um, with a really fantastic combat system. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But... I think the real novel part here is that every time you move from room to room, and it is a roguelike in the sense that it is randomizing the rooms that you get to and randomizing your pathway up the map, you get a map very similar to something you would find in Slay the Spire, for example, a map telling you which room will have which kind of reward in it. And you have these branching pathways. So you can go, well, am I going for gold? Am I going for a new weapon? Or am I going for a relic to upgrade my stuff? Or, you know, you can sort of pick and choose which way to go up this branching pathway. Um, and each time you enter a new room, you get corrupted more and more. You can also take damage that will give you corruption. And when you reach a certain level of corruption, you take on a curse 
that will affect you in some way that'll add a new modifier to the game world. So for example, you know, there's one that will cause any enemy that's on fire when it dies to explode, causing AOE damage. And that just happens every time an enemy that happens to be on fire dies going forward. So it makes things, it switches things up, makes things more challenging. And you acquire more and more of these curses as you go on inevitably. And there are certain things you can do actually to make that happen faster and accrue curses more. Corruption really is a resource that you can use. So you get to certain, um, these shrines, the whole aesthetic of the game is really cool. It's, you're delving into this kind of cursed shrine where you're offering up gold to buy things, or you can offer up your own blood. If you offer, offer up your own blood, you get more corruption. So it's really neat. If you haven't acquired enough gold to buy an item that's really cool, in most games like this, most roguelikes like this, you just wouldn't be able to buy it. But in this game, you can actually decide to give your own blood, use, accept more corruption in order to buy things. So if you think that the the randomized item that you found for sale in the shrine is really worthwhile. You can just bring on more corruption quicker in order to have it. So it's a fun push your luck kind of um, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to take on in order to uh, get a cool thing, which I found really neat. Um, but the combat system is where the game really shines. It's fantastic. I mean, it reminds me of Bastion or Hades. Really tight, really awesome. You have... Uh, this element of darkness that you're dealing with uh, every you're delving down into these dungeons, into these crypts and everything's kind of darkish. It's not completely black, but you don't see there's a fog of war that, you know, expands in front of you. You don't see very far ahead of you unless you have your torch out. So the torch is mapped to a button and you can attack with the torch and set things on fire. You can find braziers and other, things that you can actually light with your torch so that when you switch to a weapon and put your torch away, you're not in darkness anymore. But if you do that without lighting a brazier, you will be dark and you won't see as far out in front of you and enemies will be able to sneak up on you and stuff. That's pretty rad. So you're dealing with this element of darkness and some of the curses will take advantage of that darkness. So for example, there are curses that actually let you have more, do more damage in the dark. So some of the curses aren't completely negative, in fact, most of them aren't completely negative. They're like making you compromise something in order to get something cool, which I found great because a lot of the curses in the Darkest Dungeon are just negative and depressing when you get them. But this game really uh, switches it up and, and makes it feel like you're getting a kind of a benefit. So sometimes bringing on those curses, although you don't know what they will be when you get them, will actually you know end up being, oh, that's kind of a cool twist on you know how I'm playing. But anyway, so you have the torch and then you have three other weapons and they're mapped to the other buttons on the controller. And those can be leveled up. Uh, you can get new weapons that do all kinds of crazy different things. But your base standard weapon are a, um, a melee weapon like a sword, a pistol that lets you shoot range, and um, then a blank spot that will usually have a big heavy weapon or a cool weapon that you'll find. And the weapons themselves have a lot of variety there are really awesome combos that you can do. Like if you if you do a, a quick button press between the melee and the gun, it will trigger a sort of um, AOE gun shot, like a like a, a shotgun blast. And each of the the weapon combos sort of has this combination effect. If you do a, a certain progression, a progression of button presses. Um, so. I found it the combat system really fun. It feels chunky. Everything lands with weight. The enemies are awesome. 
they it just feels really really good and the graphics are fantastic the only problem is the game is super early and there's not tons to it most notably in the thing that really keeps a roguelike game going forward and that is the the rewards that are progressive the war, the rewards that carry through from death to death because in a roguelike game you're going to go 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 until you die and then you're going to use what you acquired on that run to buy certain things and improve your next run and in this game you do that you get these skulls that you can that enemies will drop or you can find and you can buy cool things but then there's only a certain number of slots that you can put them in and you have to do certain things in the game to open those slots and some of those things aren't even built yet in the game so there's a very limited uh, progression system, really. And um, that's a shame because I think the game, it, you know, if it, uh, it's just clearly not done. And they have plans to add a lot more of that in. So it might be a game to wait on right now, but it's only 15 bucks, and it's so fun. Looks great. Supports ultra-wide. Curse of the Dead Gods. Oh, that ultra-wide. That's what I need. I'll buy yeah, anything man. that supports ultra Okay. <laughs> I always mention that on this show because it's such a big deal for me. Like, what games support Ultra Ride and which don't? I was actually looking at this game on Steam today. Believe it or not, I was looking at it, and I, I'm a, I'm a hardcore action game scrutinizer. Let Mm. me tell you, the attack animations look really, really good. Yeah, it's, it is really a tight combat system. And yes, the animations are fantastic. The dude moves in really cool ways. The enemies move in really cool ways. Oh, there's a parry and a dodge, uh, which are, you know, very, very tight and feel like there's a lot of uh, range and skill. Like you can really get better at this game in a very tangible way. Um, And really that's, I think that's honestly where the game lives right now is that you play it over and over so you get better rather than accruing, you know, like Dead Cells or something where you accrue more things for later runs. It's just you're just not doing that yet in this game because you can only apply one at a time, or at least I can only apply one at a time based on this build. Um, so, uh, you know, as soon as that progression system opens up a bit and there's more reason to keep coming at it over and over and over again, other than my own skill, I think I'll be playing this game a lot. It's really good. It It's rivaling Hades for me as far as like delivering that, that roguelike experience in a a visually stunning action packed, awesome way. I'm digging it. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out as uh, as research. Yeah. I think you'll dig it. It's called curse of the dead gods. How'd those guys die? I'd love to find out. You got to find out. You got to find out. You got to get to the end. I, uh, I've I've only been playing this game a few hours. I got to the first boss, and that first boss kind of owned me. But it makes me want to come back for more. I don't know if so far not a lot of story content, but uh, maybe the story is expressed. It is really a cool like theme, you know, the aesthetic of the gods, and like he, he'll slice his hand open to give blood at the shrines, and uh, it's cool. It's good. All right. Uh, I do want to read an email that we got to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I know we have been trying to avoid talking too much about uh, the coronavirus because it's all anybody's talking about. And it's having a big effect on the video game industry. I mean, who knows if we're even going to have an E3 this year or any convention. South by Southwest was canceled. GDC was canceled. Um, We're seeing potential delays in the Xbox uh, Series X and the PlayStation 5, you know, who knows? This year is going to be really, I think, topsy-turvy because of this. 
But I want to read this email because I think it's an interesting view uh, for feet on the ground. I mean, we're all dealing with it, obviously. Everybody in the world is dealing with it. But uh, certainly the epicenter is China. And this was sent to us by a listener named Aiden Hogan. And Aiden writes, uh, Hi, Jeff and Christian. I am sitting on a subway in the middle of Shanghai as I type, listening to your coronavirus story of the week. I'm glad that this is getting coverage even in the video gamosphere and that you're taking the time to give the good advice on keeping good hygiene practices. While no one wants to see the world of video games take a hit or shut down, it's important that big companies like Sony are enforcing measures to promote caution. I certainly would love to see footage from GDC of Last of Us Part Two, but seeing how life has gone by in China this past month, I appreciate businesses and individuals caring, whether it's to protect their own interests or for the concern and well-being of the greater populace at large. I wanted to take this moment to email to say that the virus has affected all ways of life here in China and more countries each day. I travel a lot for work and even had a friend in the city of Wuhan where the outbreak began who sold me a number of Switch games whenever I was there. I've not heard from him in recent weeks and I see prices for games and gaming systems beginning to increase significantly in China. I feel saddened for the gaming community and retailers here and elsewhere. I think it's important for people to know that while it originated here, it shouldn't be known as a China virus or be a reason to stigmatize and close off from Asian communities around the world. I hope that we as gamers and people can take steps to protect ourselves and our families in this difficult time as we hope for recoveries and eventual decline of cases, but also still try to be the best we can to others. One last thing, since the outbreak began, my country canceled much of my work and travel, so it's been weirdly wonderful to have time to go to town on The Witcher 3 and give my life over to Gwent. <laughs> Thanks so much for the podcast, your fan in Shanghai. Thank you, Aiden. Um, I think uh, it's an interesting perspective to see. I know he even sent that in uh, more than a week ago, and so much has changed even in that week. So we're thinking about you there in Shanghai and all around the world as everybody is uh, dealing with both the real world implications of this and just, you know, contracting it and also the economic implications of uh, our industry, our hobby and uh, our economies. It's going to be a really interesting thing to see going forward. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But I want to say thank you to our guest, Tim. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Where can people keep up with you and all your goings on online? I would say please follow me on Twitter, uh, where I'm at 108, just the numbers. I will be announcing a Patreon very soon. And uh, you can also keep up with me on discord.gg slash action button, which is the home of my action button on Discord. Uh, there are all my buddies in there. It's, we call it the Goblin Bunker. So shout out to all the goblins in the Goblin Bunker. Get in the bunker. If you want the hottest updates, I will have a website and a YouTube channel and a microphone and a nice camera and everything really soon. I'm going to become a YouTuber, mom and dad. They're both going to be excited, though. You caught me right as I'm finishing preparations. So unfortunately, I cannot shout out the Patreon directly today. So follow me on Twitter and get in the discord. And uh, I promise there will be something very soon. Awesome. Thank you. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, I am uh, I am doing a set. I have some sets. So I'm still questioning about them, but I would not recommend coming. Does that make it? Yeah, it don't come, and I probably shouldn't do them. Um, 
but I, I am prepared as I can be with wipes and, and stuff afterwards. I'm really, really debating it. Um, but I won't even talk about those. But what I will talk about is while I cannot talk about anything yet, uh, you have, I've talked to you, Jeff, as a, just a really annoying tease. I've talked to you about it a little bit and I've shown you some stuff a little bit. There's nothing I can talk about this week and I'm not sure when I'll be able to talk about it or show people anything uh, yet, but I am working on stuff. Just please know it's not this week. And my goodness, am I freaking excited? Let's, it's a, a lot of a lot of words to say you can't say something. I know, but I'm, you know what? Like I was talking to someone else about something similar. Gosh, I'm just being a real expletive right now. But it's like the hardest thing when you like, you're, you are so excited about things and you see them and you have them and you're not allowed to talk about it yet. It's like I, I realize what I'm doing is annoying, but I just it's like I'm a tea kettle, Jeff. Like last week I was like, oh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I'm a freaking tea kettle over here. So hopefully well, soon. I'm going to take three. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, I realize what I'm doing is annoying as progress. Thank you. (laughs) At Spicer's Twitter. And I I usually stream this show on my Twitch, pretty much just this show, but starting in April, um, I'm going to be ramping up to uh, fundraise for St. Jude again. And that is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. So you can join over there and, and help raise money for the kids of St. Jude here again very soon and twitter is at spicer and other stuff coming soon and if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t um i have some other shows that you can listen to including the slash Filmcast, where we talk about films and tv shows it's at slash filmcast.com you can check us out there or anywhere you get podcasts Just search for slash Filmcast. i also do the aforementioned dungeons and dragons show I'm super excited about it. Very, very proud of it. Uh, it's called The Dungeon Run. And we had, I think, really one of the best jumping on episodes yet uh, this last week. It was really fun. All of the players had killed a bunch of lava lizards inside a, a volcano. Well, not quite inside a volcano yet, but at the in a magma reserve inside, uh, inside a mountain. And they had to figure out how to get them out. And the solution they came up with was to transform into giant apes and cast fly. And so we had flying apes carrying the carcasses of lava lizards through a dwarven city inside a mountain. Where else are you going to get entertainment like that? Uh, It was very funny and fun. And then the show got serious and cool at the end. Um, It's great. I urge you to check out The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. Or you can find it as an audio podcast. Actually works great as an audio podcast uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get audio podcasts. Or you can watch as we record live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Tim Rogers, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I would say track down the film Bloodsport Four. <laughs> Bloodsport Four, which is I that just streaming anywhere? earlier. I, I don't know. It, okay, it was a couple of years ago when me and my friend uh, got obsessed with it. I'm looking it up on Amazon right now. You can hear my keyboard. You hear that? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna see if it's on there. It was on Prime Video. It was on Amazon Prime Video recently. I don't think it's on there anymore. Oh no. It's not free on there anymore. You can purchase it on uh, iTunes, I think, for like five ninety nine. I know that I own it on iTunes. It's it's a it's 
it's the only movie like it. No, it's three ninety nine to rent on Prime Video as well. If there you, you go. Watch a good film starring Daniel Bernhardt, who was in the the John Wick, the first John Wick movie. He's a stunt man for a while, and he was also on an episode of the HBO show Barry. Uh, oh yeah, he was on the the, the really good episode, like the best episode. Yeah. I know exactly which one you're talking about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Bloodsport 4, you heard it here first. Yeah, you might, you might not like it, but you might love it, if you know what I mean. There you go. Christian Spicer, do you have a parting gift? I have two. One is easy, because we talked about it a bunch in this episode. Uh, go replay The Last of Us. It's a really great game. The remastered version on PlayStation 4 is incredible. And you want to be the person that when the HBO limited series comes out and is incredible and you can be like, well, the game was better than the way the game handled Tommy was preferable. Uh, or you can just tell your friends, like, it's really good. Yeah, I played the game. It was awesome. Told you it was good. Um, go play it. It's available invite everywhere. Your, invite your friends over to watch you play it. Ooh, yeah. Take that, HBO. <laughs> yeah, perform it. Perform it for your friends who don't want to play video games. Try that. I'd have them wash their hands and everything before they oh, come over. definitely, yeah. Uh, the second one, I, I, I realize I'm about to say, but they're the best. My wife got them for me for Valentine's Day, and I'm wearing them right now. Uh, she got me a pair of Uggs. Like, you know, like Ugg, those brands of uh, boots that you see people wearing, often women everywhere. She got me a pair of Uggs slippers, and I have poor circulation in my hands and feet. I wear them the minute I get into the house all day, every day. And they are the best things I've ever put on my feet. Take that Jordan tens, which are also great shoes, but um, I have some circulation problems in my hands and feet as well. Perhaps I would enjoy to wear Uggs. I, I never would have thought I would have enjoyed wearing them. And when they're, she got them, I was like, what do they look like? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll Google this later. I'm, I'm yeah, intrigued. I can send you, I'll, I'll tweet you a pic. I'll send you a, <laughs> I need, I need slippers. I, I've wanted slippers for the last couple of months. And, I'm sure there's uh, many different kinds. These have a rubber sole, so I can like use them to take my dog out, you know, step outside for a little bit if I want to. They're not strictly in the house. You know, they're versatile, and they're incredible. I love them. I love them so much. Get hugs. hugs for men. Yeah. Boom. We got a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes from Damien. He sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Damien says, hello, Jeff, Christian, and guest." thought I would send in a parting gift that I have been enjoying for a few years now. It's a YouTube series called Binging with Babish. It's fairly popular, so most listeners may have already heard of it or seen it. Basically, every week the host, Andrew Ray, takes a meal from either a movie, television show, or video game and recreates it. He covers the spectrum from classics to whatever is in the zeitgeist. Some of his most viewed are foods from Ratatouille, SpongeBob, Friends, Red Dead Redemption, and Oscar winner Moonlight. Oftentimes, what he will do is follow the recipe faithfully as depicted, and then, depending on how that turns out, make it again, but improve upon it. A great example of this is his Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Anyway, I love the show and the positivity you guys bring. Damien. P.S. Excellent call on Bluey! Just a phenomenal show. Yay! Love Bluey. Love Bluey, Damien. I can't recommend that show enough. And I just love the fact that I learned about it from a listener to DLC. It is one of my favorite shows. It's a kid's show, but it's still one of my favorite shows straight up, not even favorite kid's show. It's straight up. One of my favorite shows. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Anyway, my parting gift is a new show on Hulu or actually FX, but Hulu by way of FX, I guess it's called devs and it's by writer director, Alex Garland. It is so good. 
So good. Either of you guys watch Devs yet? I'm going to watch that as soon as I'm done watching HBO's The Outsider because I love Alex Garland. Yeah. I love his Odyssey to the West. You ever play that? No. Yeah. That's the game he wrote for uh, It's very good. It's yeah, very, it's very the, good. Garnet was huge on, on the it way back in the day. Yeah, it's it's on the Xbox One uh, backwards compatibility if you uh, anybody wants to check, check that out. It's very good. I love Dread. Yeah, he's so Where's good. Where's the Dread limited series? Anyway, I want to see well, this. Anyway. I think it's, I, I mean, I don't know if that was a joke, but like the movie apparently isn't, but he's still very interested. I, I think there's a very good chance that that could be a real thing. After seeing like the, the middle three episodes of The Mandalorian, I was like, oh man, a Dread limited series where it's a completely different case every episode like eight of those that would be the best thing in the world yeah i don't want carl urban in there i don't want alex yeah. in there. i want alex well, and carl and i want to alex watch and carl well i think you're gonna like devs it's 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 extraordinary it's beautifully shot it's super creepy interesting it's about like a an apple or a google or you know some kind of crazy rich uh, uh company like that tech company inventing something that i won't even spoil but man it's awesome it's a mystery it's it just watch it you're gonna love it if you listen to the show you're gonna love it it's called devs on fx fx hulu me watch that's all i have to say about that i'm gonna watch that all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to tim rogers and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us thanks to our musical contributors patrick l Sean Madigan and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers that uh, are in the show. And thank you to you for listening. We appreciate you. And we will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.